Hello, and welcome to The Quiet Out Loud. I want to start out today by just saying thank you. Thank you for listening. The response to this podcast has really been overwhelming for me. Um, I just started this, I think, like three weeks ago, and I really thought, you know, no one's going to listen to this. But, you know, I'm at almost 700 downloads for the podcast, and I've just have gotten so many encouraging notes and feedback from people, and I really, 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 really appreciate that. And if you're someone who's listening today because you you actually disagree with me. Um, I really hope today that you, you know, I, I really encourage you to listen all the way to the end today because I'm going to share a couple of stories at the end of this from recent conversations that I've had that that I think are, are pretty profound and, and hopefully, again, stretch your thinking because that's what I want to do. So before I get started today, I'm actually going to do something different. I'm going to give a shout out to, to today's sponsor, which is me. Okay. So I am new to podcasting and YouTubing, and I am really pushing all of this content out myself. I'm not monetized. And um, so, yeah, I do want to tell you guys though today about my favorite hair care products. So I've been using them for about five years and have seen a, such a great transformation in my hair and scalp health. So my whole family uses these products and they just launched this really exciting new scalp serum that is patent pending technology, clinically proven to reduce hair shedding by 92% um, using powerhouse ingredients like melatonin and caffeine. And did you know that your hair follicles are mini organs? I mean, they need special care to remain healthy and productive. I'm so excited about this new product um, because I know it will help so many people because I hear over and over again from people who are struggling right now after the last two or three years with um, stress and sickness that they've had excessive shedding and hair thinning. So if you are interested in learning more, I will put a link in my show notes where you can take a hair quiz for a custom recommendation. And I will personally follow up with you and reach out to you and um, help you get started with a new hair care regimen. Okay. So getting started today, uh, the topic today is racism and race, just race in general. So I always like to um, try to set expectations up front. Uh, I think that the amount of flack that I get on TikTok uh, makes me want to do that. I want to make my the, uh, the expectations really clear of what you think you can get out of today's episode. So um, this podcast is not a college class or a complete history of all racism ever, everywhere. Um, and actually today, it's not about history at all. It's about where we are right now now and what's what's going on right now in present day. I might take a few um, little glances back in history, but I really want us to focus on the present day. Um, there are uh, plenty of other resources um, for you to go and do a deep historical dive if you want to do that. That is not this episode. So, and in saying that, um, I am not saying or suggesting that, that, or denying that racism, um, ever existed. I'm not denying that there are horrible, ugly things that have happened in our past that were based on race. I am not denying that it doesn't still exist in some people. The intent here is not to gloss over that or be overly reductive. My intent though, is to get us thinking about the present day. We can't change the past. We can only live in our present and change the future. And I want us all asking some questions and, and wondering like, you know, if in some ways we aren't and, and actually haven't moved a little bit backwards over the last few years. Um, what I am saying in this episode is that race 
is not the most important thing about you, despite what wokeism might tell you. And I lightly touched on this topic in my feminism podcast, um, because just because of the sheer volume of race-based comments that I received on my feminist TikTok video that went viral, um, my husband and I, and some other people that I've talked to have just like really been kind of astounded at the amount of um, focus that people put on the fifties in that video. Um, the fifties lady wasn't trying to sell the fifties to 2022 at all. Rather it was 2022 trying to sell itself to the fifties and doing so unsuccessfully. Um, and so many people, um, and many people watched the video and they, they completely got that. They understood that, but many people did not. So they're very hung, hung up on the past and not really looking at like where we are in present day, which is what we're going to do today. Um, largely one of the ac accusations that I'm getting about the video is that I left out the racist history of the 1950s because I am a white woman. And you can go listen to my feminism podcast. It's my previous episode. If you want to hear my response to that. Um, what I find really interesting though, is that I have people of color who get and understand the premise of the video and agree with it. And I have people of color who don't get it and they disagree, but mostly, mostly of the people who disagree, it's white women, white women who disagree and, you know, telling me that I'm for segregation and am racist. And I'm, again, I'm going to tell you a couple of stories at the end of this that I, I really hope sets people free. I hope it sets you free from this race-based mindset. Like that's what I want to talk about today. Is race something that we can have an honest conversation about? You know, this name of this podcast is The Quiet Out Loud. So of course I'm going to say some things out loud that's may or may not be upsetting to people, but it's conversations I think that we need to have in an, in an open and honest way. So in the public square, you really can't talk about race unless you are in agreement with the mainstream narrative about it. It doesn't really matter if you're white or black or whatever, they'll, they'll cancel you either way. I'd say generally speaking, um, you know, more so for white people, we're told we can't talk about race because we're white, which in and of itself is racist. Just like saying men can't have an opinion on abortion because they aren't a woman should be considered sexist. This is this, this is the same thing I said about feminism um, in my last podcast. The assumption is that if you aren't aligned to the mainstream narrative, whether it be on race or gender or whatever, then you simply aren't educated enough. You need to educate yourself and do better. Have you heard that phrase before? Are you familiar with that phrase? Just do better. Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> what does that even mean? All it means is sit down, shut up and get in line with whatever the current thinking is, even if, even if it's contradictory to the previous line of thinking, ignore that and get on board. That's what do better means. That's what it means to me anyways, when I hear people say it. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to say something that's really unpopular nowadays. And again, like I said, this is the quiet out loud. So here we go. Um, the color of your skin doesn't matter. It's not the most important thing about you. It is a thing about you, but I'd argue it's not even like, it's not even in like the top 10 most important things about you. It's a physical attribute that holds no bearing zero on your worth, on your value, or on your humanity. It doesn't make you a good or bad person. It doesn't make you always right or always wrong. It doesn't hold you back or propel you forward. It does not define you. You are free 
from the color of your skin. And anyone who tells you otherwise is a liar. Do you want to know how I can boldly declare that today? Because of Jesus. I mean, Galatians 3, 28, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. I mean, not to mention the countless verses that talk about God's disdain for partiality. Um, I mean, are there potentially historical connotations attached to your skin color? Like, yes, maybe, but we're not there. We are right now. And it's crazy to me that this is an unpopular thing to say. 60 years ago, Martin Luther King Jr. gave his you know, famous I have a dream speech saying, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Can I note something else from his speech and from his legacy? Um, this is something else. This is a quote from the speech. It says, this note was a promise that all men, yes, black men, as well as white men, would be guaranteed the unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Wait, I want to call this out about his legacy. He never sought to hate his enemies. He never told white people to hate themselves. And he believed in America's principles. I guess it again, are we there yet? Are we closer? Are we getting closer? I think this is a question we all have to wrestle with. And listen, I don't want to reduce everything that Martin Luther King Jr. had to say. I don't want to reduce that all down to, to one quote or even just the one speech, there were many, many great things that he said and, and the and the atrocities that he had to endure were were absolutely horrible. So um, I'm just looking at this, you know, speech and, and asking, um, you know, have we made progress? I mean, it, it seems like, you know, like maybe we did for a while, um, but over the last few years, maybe the last five or 10 years, it, doesn't it kind of feel like we've taken a step backwards from these quotes? You know, race and skin color has not been something that I have personally ever, like, I haven't really thought that much about. And I, and I, I know what people's reaction is to that. It's, oh, it's, that's your white privilege. That's your white privilege is why you haven't had to think about it. Um, it's not, it's, I don't, I wouldn't say it's that. Um, it's not that I didn't have to think about it. I wasn't told to think about it. I wasn't, told to think about it for myself. I wasn't told to think about it for other people. And, and I would, I bet, I bet many people from my generation who kind of grew up in the eighties and nineties would, would probably say the same thing. I mean, and what's changed, what's changed. I mean, and I think it's because we're told to think about it now. Like we're told to think about it. And listen, I grew up with plenty of Brown people, lots actually, including my dad, which we're going to talk more about that later. But, and yes, we acknowledge different ethnicities, um, but it, it just wasn't as, as weighty as it seems to be today. Am I the only one who feels that way? I don't know. Um, I remember, uh, I remember my grandfather actually buying me a black Barbie doll when I was, when I was really young and I thought it was like really cool. And totally normal. Like, I don't know. <laughs> and I feel like in the last three and three to five years, I have thought more about skin color than ever before. I mean, and I'm 41 and I, and I feel like the last three to five years, I, I've had to think about it more than ever before. And I just, am I alone in this? Like, I don't know. Hopefully I'm not, but, um, like I said, I feel like the mainstream media has implanted this idea into our brains that we must think about it and notice it and constantly be considering it. And that everything that happens to us is a result of our race. 
But is that true? Is everything race related? Is everything racist? Or, or I mean, are we simply just victims or are we simply just beneficiaries based on our skin tone? Is this constant consideration of race making us more or less accepting and loving to all humanity? For me personally, like if I just want to get like really raw and transparent here, um, for me personally, honestly, like it's made me much more self-conscious about interacting with people of different skin tones than myself. And I, and I hate that because it's not self-conscious in a good way. Um, of course, I think we should have self-awareness and situational awareness, but like self-conscious worried in a way, like I'm going to say the wrong thing. And, the, and I, this person is going to think badly of me or that I'm only reaching out to them because of their race, or I'm going to say the wrong thing and it will somehow be offensive, even though I didn't mean it to be like, how did we get here? Like, <laughs> How did we get here where it's, it's feels like again, more than, than ever in all of my lifetime, it's, it's, it's so much more, um, sensitive, I guess is maybe the right word. Um, well, here's how I believe we got here. I believe we got here because critical theory left the classroom. It left academia and became mainstream. Now, you might hear the words critical theory and roll your eyes, or maybe your eyes just glaze over. You're like, I don't even, I can't even, I can't even comprehend or think about what that is right now, Jennifer. And, and that's okay. Like, let me do, let me do a quick recap. Okay. Um, I actually created a critical theory skit that I feel like anyways, really breaks it down into super simple terms um, a while back. And I will put the link to that skit in the show notes as well. Um, most people have heard of critical race theory. But the truth is, is that you can take any identity label and apply a critical theory lens to it. And just so we're very clear, critical, critical theory is not the same as critical thinking. It's actually the opposite. I mean, critical thinking encourages you to look at all angles of a problem to, to find a, a potential root cause, whereas critical theory encourages you to look at a problem through a singular angle or what I would call a singular lens. Um, could race, it could, it could be race or gender or religion or class. Like there's any number of lenses that you could quote unquote kind of put on and look at the world and look at problems through. Now, this singular view might be beneficial uh, for an exploratory classroom exercise or a philosophical conversation, but it's not going to give you an accurate picture necessarily of reality because again, it's a singular view. And what's happened is, is people have taken that, that lens outside of the classroom and, and are trying to apply it to the real world. So when they see problems and they have their critical race lens on, they blame all the problems that they see on race, even when there could be a multitude of other factors that are causing issues. So with this lens on, you would see anything good that happens to a white person as privilege and anything bad that happens to a person of color as oppression. Critical race theory really only sees people as in two buckets. You're either oppressed or you're the oppressor. When in reality, the problems could have nothing to do with race at all. And this, I believe, is what has become a mainstream way to view the world and specifically our country for some people. This is why the mere mention of the 1950s in my TikTok video, like sends people into a racial tailspin. They see something that isn't actually there because they're wearing a lens and they don't even know it. 
I mean, we've reached this kind of like fever pitched where you're accused of racism for simply disagreeing with like mainstream leftist ideas. And even further, it doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter your skin color anymore. You can be a black person. And if you disagree with the left politically, they'll literally tell you that you aren't really black. The president did it. It happens all the time. I'm going to tell you a story later about where I witnessed this happening. I mean, it, it happens all the time with, with, with black people who, who disagree with the leftist mainstream narrative or happen to lean more right than left. The left will tell you that race is one of the most important things about you, but will insist that they know how a person of your color should act and think and feel better than you do yourself if you disagree with them. How arrogant is this? I cannot wait to give you the real life example of this um, later in the pod, later in the podcast. Um, probably the worst part of critical theory is, like I said, it's not critical thinking. Therefore, you're not necessarily seeing and analyzing reality when trying to resolve problems or perceived equity differences. Critical race theory sees a perceived inequity and labels the cause as race when it could be a million other things. The only cause that it sees is race and the only solution that it offers is race. How would critical race theory fix racial inequities? By implementing policies that inhibit certain races in order to elevate others. The goal is not equality. The goal is turning everything it thinks that it sees inside out. Critical theory does not consider humanity. Like I said, it only sees the oppressed and the oppressor. You either fall into one or the other, period. I want us to think about this. Like, do we consider humanity as we go throughout the rest of this podcast? It's the same thinking as feminism. Like, let me use that as an example too. Um, feminism sees women as oppressed. It has a a sex or gender lens on any problem that a woman faces are due to the patriarchy or to men. So how does feminism propose to fix this problem? Not by creating equality, even that's what they'll tell you, but by crushing men or what it calls the patriarchy altogether and replacing it with a matriarchy. The goal is to flip the world as it sees it upside down and inside out, oppress the oppressor. Who cares? if the lens that they're wearing is false and not reality. I think this is how we end up with a summer of riots and cities burning that the media labels as mostly peaceful. It's how we end up with an organization like BLM that literally fleeced millions, or literally fleeced people out of millions of dollars and just kind of like drove off into the sunset. It's, it's how we end up with dumb catchphrases like believe all women. Let me, let me tell you a small story about what it might look like to walk through life with a critical race lens on. And before I start again, like, let me set the expectations and provide clarity for all the people who are going to scream and shout at me like, but there's nuance, Jennifer, there's nuance in life. Okay. I am not telling you this story to take away the life experiences that people of color have. Okay. What I am saying in this story is that when we have a race lens on, we will attribute life experiences to our skin color and not attribute them to our shared humanity. And this leaves us unrelatable to each other and lacking grace. Okay, I'm going to say this just one more time because I want to be really clear. 
What I am saying is that when we go through life with a critical race lens on, we will attribute life experiences to our skin color rather than to our shared humanity, which leaves us unrelatable to each other and lacking in grace. Okay, this is a small example that I'm about to give you guys, but I'm really sure it will probably upset people. But um, again, I'm just asking you to take a look at what lens you might be wearing. I'm not discounting or reducing history. Again, we are in the present. Okay. So I remember a few years ago, there was a lot of attention around the hair of Black people. I think this was probably during all of the BLM stuff. And obviously, Black people have beautiful, unique hair. It's undeniable. Okay. And the idea that was being presented um, was that because they have unique hair, that must mean that all of their experiences with their hair are also um, unique and not experienced by others with different skin tones. And the, the example that was being given um, and what I was listening to was, was people asking to touch or feel their hair. So when someone is when, when someone asks to touch or feel your hair, is, is that a black experience or is that a human experience? And if you have a race lens on, you will say it's due to race, not to humanity. Again, that leaves us unrelatable to each other and and graceless because we you would say um, no one else can relate to this experience because it only happens to this particular group of people. Therefore, if someone asks to touch or feel your hair, um, they're clearly only doing it because of your race and there's no good intentions there and they're a bad person. Like that's kind of what the narrative was and probably still is, um, you know, that, that going through your life with people randomly asking to touch your hair is unique to a certain people with a certain, of a certain skin color. Therefore it's offensive, wrong, and racist. And I remember chatting with my mom about this and saying, mom, like I have white skin and that was literally my childhood. Like I, cannot tell you the number of times over the years, especially as a child, that someone asked to touch or feel my hair or just made comments on it in general. I mean, it was all the time, all the time. Like my hair as a kid, I mean, thankfully today we have great hair products, which I talked about in the beginning, but we also have, you know, wonderful styling tools, heat tools. And so my hair is much different than it was when I was a kid, but I was a kid. It was, it was, it was huge and thick. Like it was like fluffy and unruly. Like the boys in my class would make fun of me and call me Mufasa, like from the lion King, because I, I really did have this like huge, fluffy blonde mane of hair. It was just so big. Like I could never, I could, I always wanted that like sleek and, you know, like, again, I was, this was like the nineties. So, um, you know, you've got like Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera's like stick straight, you know, hair is all like smooth and glossy. And mine is like completely opposite of that. Okay. It was, it was, it was huge and fluffy. Like the kids made fun of it and the adults wanted it. Like my hair drew a lot of attention wherever I went. It was annoying. Like it was annoying. It made me self-conscious. Like it was annoying, but was it racist? That's the question. I never once considered that people must want to touch or talk about my hair because of my heritage. 
I just thought people were curious. And ultimately that people, especially the adults, like maybe not the boys in the class would make fun of me, but the adults anyway, like always thought they were actually giving me a compliment. Like even if it was annoying, they thought they were giving me a compliment. Um, and you know what, honestly, like I gave them the benefit of the doubt. I extended them grace and I related to them because we are all humans and we're all annoying sometimes. And all of us at some point will do or say something that we think is being kind or nice or complimentary. And it's not, it's just not the person doesn't receive it that way. But just because the person doesn't receive it that way, does that actually make us racist or doesn't, does it make it just humans that are weird sometimes and do weird things and like ask to touch people's hair, like, because we're curious creatures. I mean, one of the things about my lineage is that we're, we're Native American, which is a really small part of who we who I was growing up. I mean, it, it was not everything. And I will tell you, like, my dad was dark, dark, especially in the summer. He would get super tan. And, and I mean, honestly, people at times would think that he was black. Um, I mean, and not like red. I guess is red the right color? I don't know. Like, he was very, very brown. And as you can see, if you're watching this on YouTube, um, I got none of that pigmentation. I got none. Like I am fair. I am very white and he was really pretty dark, but my mom was fair and had light skin. And so that's what I got. Um, my brother on the other hand is, is much darker than I am. So, but our heritage was never presented to me as this, this thing that is going to hold you back. It was never presented to me that way. It was the opposite, actually. Like it was talked about with pride and with this air of like, look how hard our ancestors work. Look worked. Look at how much adversity they overcame. Look at how strong and resourceful they were. Guys, I have a family heirloom dresser in my house right now and has um actually has like rope marks on the back of it from being hauled across the country where it was tied down in a covered wagon as my native american ancestors were forced to resettle elsewhere and you know what those rope burns were always such a source of pride for my dad not a source of oppression not a source of oh can you imagine where our family would be today if we didn't have this these generations of oppression the message was not look at how oppressed they were and we need reparations for what they in Endured. But rather it was a, it was a sign of like, look at what can happen to you and you can still make it like you can still do whatever you want to do and whatever you want to set your mind to right now in the present, because we live in the present. We don't live back there. We live here. You know, you know what the most important focus was, um, you know, what from my family, when we would talk about, you know, our family history and our ancestors, the most important thing that like my dad would pass down is that my ancestors were Christ followers. That was the biggest and most important legacy that could be handed down, period. Not our skin color, not the hardships, following Christ. That was hands down the, the legacy that my dad wanted to leave, that his dad wanted to leave, that his dad wanted to leave. That's the legacy that was handed down and, and what was most important. So, you know, I would just encourage you to take the lens off and change your perspective. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you guys some stories right now that that I really hope um 
kind of open up your mind a little bit, maybe open up your eyes. Um, and again, maybe help you remove any lenses that you may have on and, and maybe even again, help set you free from this idea that you are your skin color. Okay. So I don't share my native, my native American heritage, um, very often. Um, not because I'm not proud, but just because, I mean, honestly, mostly it's not a, it's not a crutch that I lean on, nor is it a trump card that I lay down so that I can get my way or that, so I can like, so I can use it as an excuse. But let me tell you about a time that I recently did bring it up. Okay. So I did the, the viral feminism video and I have gotten so many comments and so many DMs that I was reductive and um, ignored the racial tensions and issues of the 1950s. And if you want my overall response to that, again, you can go listen to my last podcast on feminism. But I got one DM in particular on Instagram from a black woman, and it was very nice and very respectful. And she just stated um, very eloquently that she felt that I was unfairly representing something that never existed for women of color because women of color have always worked, that this idea of stay-at-home housewife wasn't available to them in the 50s. And just like I said in my last podcast episode, I said to her, you know, from my perspective, all colors of women have always worked. My grandmothers worked. Um, the video wasn't about working or not working. It was about a set of ideals, God, family, home, etc., for all women and it was not romanticizing a set of specific historical events. And her, again, her response was very positive and, and nice. And just like, okay, like, I get that. I can see what you're saying. Um, but, you know, she pointed out that the difference between um, my grandmother's working and her grandmother's working was that, you know, their experience would have been different for white women versus black and brown women. women. And again, that people of colors have never really had this chance to have control over their families the way everyone else had a chance to. And, and I, I appreciate this perspective. And, and I told her that, um, that I appreciated her perspective and her feedback. I'm grateful for it. It does give me a greater insight into how, again, other people are viewing the world and thinking about it and our history. But then I said something that I rarely say after telling her that I appreciated her response very much, you know, and I said, you know what, I get it. I said, my lineage is Native American and it hasn't always been easy for prior generations of my family either. I said, and I said, but that isn't something that I choose to lean into. And I actually said, I'm like, maybe that's wrong. Maybe it's right. I don't know. I'm like, but it's just not, it's just not something that I choose to, again, lean on. And I said, Hey, you know, listen, I, I completely, um, um, understand that the video landed wrong on some people and that they think that I was ignoring or erasing pieces of history. And, and truly that was not my intent. And you guys, you guys, the response back to that was so eye-opening to me. The backpedaling was so swift. I think I may have gotten whiplash. This person did a 180 on what they thought about me. The response was, oh, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I did not mean to assume your racial background. I am so sorry that I came after you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm still the same person. Like, I'm still the same person. I'm still, the, I, I, the video is still there. I, my skin color hasn't changed. Um, I still said everything that I said. I, I'm still the exact same person. But, but her entire perspective of me shifted in an instant. It was that quick. Why? Why? Because you learned that my dad was brown? 
like I still made the video. I still said the same things. I'm still white. Like, why does it matter? Why does knowing that about me change how you think about me as a person? Why does it change the way you think about me as a person? I want, I, I, I didn't ask that. I let it lie. I just let it, you know, did a little heart emoji and, you know, like let it, let it go. Um, but I do want to know, I, I, and again, I think it's, I think I know why it's this, it's this critical race lens that people are wearing. Like then again, that's how they, they see the world. Like she's literally sees me as a different person now, even though I haven't changed at all. I haven't changed at all internally. I'm still the same person as I was, you know, on the inside before. Okay. So <laughs> I just, I was just like, wow. I mean, it, to me, it was just really, really, like I said, um, eye-opening. So, so I had that conversation, right. And I'm reading all of these comments on the video and I'm kind of internalizing all of that and being really hard on myself. Honestly, you guys like being really hard, like, listen, I am open to self-reflection and, you know, thinking about my actions and learning from them. And, you know, did I do something wrong here? I'm really totally like second guessing myself on this TikTok video. Um, you know, again, just reading all the comments and everything and then having this conversation with this person. I'm like, gosh, did I do something wrong by making this video? Like, was it racist? Racist? I mean, is there something I need to work on? Like, what is going on here? I've got this internal dialogue kind of going on in my head. And, and I know, like, I know in my heart of hearts what my intention was with that video, but I'm wrestling with reconciling that with how others are perceiving me and it's making me doubt myself. Like, do these people see me more clearly than I see myself? Okay. So that's kind of what was going on in my head. Um, you know, just kind of rumbling around in my head when I left recently to travel to St. Louis for this Monations event. So if you follow me on Instagram, again, like I've kind of been sharing about this as I've gone along, but all that just kind of set the stage of, of where I was at mentally um, when this next thing happened. So um, I'm in St. Louis and I'm standing outside of our hotel. I'm, I'm with my friend. It's just us two. And we're, we're, we're looking down the street and we're waiting on an Uber to take us to, um, our, our dinner event that we had. So we're standing outside the hotel and I'm like, almost feels like out of nowhere. Um, this homeless black man comes up to me and, and, and not to my friend, like just to me. Um, and at first he kind of starts out by talking about how he, you know, just wants, you know, a couple bucks to go buy a burger. And suddenly like something flipped in him and he all of a sudden starts cussing at me. And, and out of nowhere, start saying like, I don't give a blankety blank what I, what, what I think of him. And, you know, he says, why are people treating poor, you know, treating other people poorly because of their skin color? Like, why is that okay? You know, I remained calm. Even though he's like, he's like literally maybe like 18 inches from my face and I'm like spitting as he's speaking and cussing at me in my face. And I said, you know what? I, it's not, it's not okay. Like, I agree with you. You know, and, and he just says, she's like, no, you know, I, you know, doesn't believe me. He's like, I just want you to know that I don't, you know, I don't give a blankety blank, like what you think about me. And, you know, again, just like cursing at me, yelling at me, like telling me that I'm racist, like all of these things. And I, I'm pretty calm. And I'm just like, okay, man, we're like, we're just waiting. I'm just waiting for an Uber here. <laughs> like, I don't even know 
where this came from. I don't know where this came from. I have never experienced anything like that in my entire life. I mean, we live near Chicago, so it's not like I haven't interacted or with or seen homeless people before. And I've never had a confrontation like that. It was so extremely confrontational and, and, and abrasive. And I, I eventually said, you know, cause it's kept telling me that he didn't care what I thought about him. And I said, well, that's, that's, that's fine. Even though I agree with what you're saying that, that it is wrong to treat people differently. I'm like, but if you don't care what I think about you, you are free to walk away. Like you're, you chose me, right? I didn't, I didn't come up to you. Like you chose me. And, um, and, and he did, he, 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 you know, ended up walking away, but I'm just like, oh my gosh. Okay. So now I'm really in my head, right? I am internalizing that along with all of these TikTok videos and this other conversation that I had. I'm just like, man, God, what are you trying to tell me? Like, maybe it's true. Like, maybe I'm a terrible person. I'm just a terrible person. And I have gotten this all wrong. Okay. Like I'm now I'm really up in my headspace. Um, I'm, I'm a little shaken when we arrive at dinner again, because I just had this like, you know, pretty abrasive confrontation on the street. And so we get in the Uber, we go to dinner and this place is packed. Okay. And, um, I'm just, again, kind of shaken up and pondering all of these things in my head. I'm supposed to be here for this event. And I'm just like mentally, mentally not there. Um, so this place is packed with girls and, and we, my, my friend and I, we just, we get in line, we go ahead and get in line. Cause the lines are long. We go ahead and get in line to get some buffet food and there's no place to sit cause it's super crowded. And we, we, we get our food. We turn around these, these, these two girls who have, um, two empty seats at their table. So, and we're like, you know, we, we ask if we can sit down with them and they say yes. And so, and I'm not, I'm not kidding you guys. I mean, minutes, minutes into this conversation, I do not know these girls are from New Jersey. I am, and I'm just like so grateful to have met them, but, um, we have never met them before. We, we, you know, didn't know anything about each other. We just sit down, we start eating. And I mean, within seconds, we are deep into conversation, deep into conversation about life, God, faith, living a holy life. What does that look like? I mean, I got chills just from talking to this, talking to these women. It was just like, wow. I mean, it was incredible. This again, like how kind of deep we went into the conversation so quickly. And one of them starts telling us about an experience that she had with a homeless person. And my friend and I just look at each other and we're like, uh, something similar just happened to us. <laughs> I'm like, and this didn't, this hadn't just happened to this girl, but it's a story that, that she had and that she had started to share. And we're like, this just, this just happened in it to me. So we, you know, we, we kind of tell them what happened. And, and one of the women asks like, well, well, do you believe in spiritual warfare? And I'm like, well, of course I do. Yes, of course. And she's, she says, she says like, she says a message from God will not come at you like that. It will not come at you in curses and yelling and spitting in your face. And I'm just like, whoa. I mean, I get chills just thinking about our conversation that day. It was such a God thing. It was such a God thing. I, I just could not, I could not, I still can't, I still can't get over it. So I, I have never experienced anything like this chain of events um, that I have had over the last um, week or so. It's been absolutely wild. It's been an absolutely like wild ride. So, okay. So, so then, so then the next day I, I reached out to someone who had commented on my TikTok video and, um, 
you know, she was a black woman who had commented positively on my TikTok video, like in agreement with, in agreement with it. So, and I, I don't remember exactly what she said, but it was a, again, a positive supportive response to the TikTok video. And like, she agreed And a, a white woman replies back to her and says, you're black. And I'm like, what <laughs> does she need you? Like, does she need you to remind her of her skin color? Like I asked her that, I like typed it out in the little TikTok comment section. I'm like, what did you just do? Do you really think that this woman needs to remind you what color she is? And the woman has the audacity to say, yes. She's like, yes, she needs to be reminded that the fifties were not a good time for black women. It's absolutely mind blowing to me that this person cannot even see what they're doing and what they're saying. She's a grown woman. You think she needs you on TikTok to tell her these things and, and for you to tell her how you think she should be interpreting this video when frankly she interpreted it correctly in the first place? I cannot get over this. This woman cannot see the arrogance and the presumptions that she's making. She does not see it. She didn't see it. She did not see, could not comprehend what she had done wrong by commenting back to this black woman, by reminding her, feeling like she needed to remind her of her skin color and of her history. Why? Because she can't see, because she has the lens on. She can only see race because she only has the critical race theory lens on and she doesn't even know it. Okay. And the black woman, the black woman is like full of grace and mercy replies back. And she says, you know, I wasn't thinking about race when I watched or commented on this video. Like, hello. Like, <laughs> I just, I cannot get over this mindset that black people need you to remind them who they really are. That's what that lady just did. She's like, here's who you really are. You are really still that person from the 1950s. That's why you can't like this video. That's basically what she told her. And I can not stand it. But I had to reach out to this other woman. Like I had to reach out. I, I had to reach out. So I said, I private messaged her. And I just said, you know what? I just wanted to say that I appreciate your mindset and your comment on my TikTok video. So I'm going to read to you a little bit of what she said. You know, <laughs> she said, when I made my comment, I honestly wasn't even thinking about race. I was thinking from a woman's point of view in today's world, which is how I presented the video. So she is correct. So uh, skip down. This is what she said. She said, I don't look at the world through lenses of race, but through lenses of faith. Let me say that again. I cannot believe she used the word lens here. I mean, I can, cause just like God is good, but like, because I have done so much thinking on this word lens and the lenses that we put on and how we view the world. And again, I made a TikTok sketch about this in the past and these lenses that we put on. And, and that's the word she used. She says, I don't look at the world through lenses of race, but lenses of faith. She goes on to say, I was worried that I had made a mistake with my comment, but after prayer and conversation with my husband, I felt better about it. I appreciate you reaching out. 
I guys, I, I mean, I've got, I've got like literally have goosebumps right now. I mean, and I was, you know, like told her I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm practically in tears reading about this, like lenses of faith versus lenses of race. Can we live in that world? Can we, you know, who won't let us live in that world? The people who think they need to let you and need to remind you what skin color you are. That's the people who aren't letting us live in that kind of a world. Take off the lens of race and put on the lens of faith. So then, okay, this is the last little snippet, okay? Because I, I want you guys to see, like, I, I wish I could, like, portray what I'm, you know, really feeling about all of this inside, like, just because the stories are so interwoven in such a God way, like, I cannot get over it. So I, I, Open up my devotion yesterday as I'm, you know, again, thinking about all of this in my head and I'm, you know, writing it out for the podcast. And you know what it says? I'm going to read a couple of, of segments from it. So it says, it says, this is from my devotional yesterday from September 13th. It says, God was calling them to see, not with their physical eyes, but with eyes of faith. Y'all. That was my devotion from yesterday. Like in a, a 365 days out of the year, that's the devotion that God puts in me, puts in front of me today. Whether it says, whether you are looking courageous or crazy, and then it says, Lord, please give me eyes of faith that see your promises fulfilled instead of my impossible circumstances. And I just, like the words, eyes of faith, just jumped out at me because again, like all this, this story that's kind of going on in the background of my life. And I just want to say something to you, this, like, these are the ways the Lord will speak to you. These are the ways through these kinds of moments and little stories. He will not speak to you by people screaming at you and spitting in your face. These are the little ways he speaks to your heart. I said it earlier and I'll say it again. Jesus wants to set you free from the confines of your skin color. He does not see that when he looks at you. He sees a beautiful person made in the image of the heavenly father. So to answer the question that I started out this podcast with about is everything, you know, is, is everything about race? Is that the most important thing? And the answer is no, unequivocally no. Okay, guys. So um, that is all I had for today. I have been so excited to just share some of these stories with you. I really hope that I was able to share them in the way that I like feel them in my heart and in my spirit. And I hope that that is conveyed to you guys. So again, um, I absolutely love and appreciate some of the feedback that I've gotten on the podcast. And some of you have even sent me like future ideas, which I absolutely love. I've gotten some really really good ones and things that I probably wouldn't have thought about. Um, but now I'm going to noodle on and, and do some episodes on. So again, really appreciate you guys. And I hope you hear, um, my heart on this issue. Uh, thank you guys so much.